1: Law Hub. This is I Am The Law, a podcast where we talk with lawyers about their jobs to shed light on how they fit into the larger legal ecosystem. In this episode, Kimber Russell interviews a business litigator in Philadelphia who helps commercial lenders originate and deal with loans gone bad.
0: Support comes from Seton Hall University School of Law in Newark, New Jersey. We can enroll full-time or in the Weekend J.D. program. In the heart of New Jersey, with proximity to New York City, Seton Hall is dedicated to your outcomes, evidenced by high employment and bar passage rates. Its one-student-at-a-time approach supports you throughout your time in law school. Their flexible, hybrid Weekend J.D. program allows working professionals to balance work, family, and law school. Learn more at law.shu.edu.
2: Support also comes from the University of Idaho College of Law, and its two locations. The Moscow location has all the resources of the university's main campus, neighboring a picturesque, charming college town. The Boise location is in the heart of downtown, just blocks from the seat of government. Either Idaho Law location provides an abundance of outdoor opportunities. As the only law school in the state, Idaho Law provides near-exclusive access to the courts, the legislature, and the rapidly developing business and nonprofit communities.
1: We are joined today by Andy Park, a 2014 graduate of the Temple University Beasley School of Law. Andy's an associate at Weir & Partners, a 23-attorney firm in Pennsylvania, Delaware, and New Jersey. Andy, you're in the Philadelphia office of what you describe as a business law firm. What exactly does that mean?
3: So we have a a very broad general business practice. Um, We represent businesses of all sorts, but our focus is really on commercial lending, the transactional side of commercial lending, along with the litigation associated with commercial lending.
1: So that's a significant amount of transactional law, but you would describe yourself as a litigator, right? Correct. So who are your typical clients?
3: So our typical clients are um, large banks and lending institutions, even small banks, uh, credit unions, and other really just a broad variety of different business owners, whether it's you know real estate developers, restaurant owners, things like that.
1: Now, before we talk about some of the day-to-day aspects of what you do, let's talk a little bit more about your firm. There's an even ratio between partners and associates. How would you say the size of your firm, considering that partner to associate ratio affects you as a junior associate?
3: Well, generally speaking, given the size of our firm, we work on a one partner, one associate model, whether it's for transactions or litigation. And given the size of our firm and given that model, that requires the associate to be ready to handle a wide variety of tasks, you know, including menial tasks, making copies down to the substantive things like drafting pleadings, arguing motions, or even talking with a client or communicating with a client.
1: So are associates signed to a specific practice area, or do you float amongst the different practice
3: areas? Yeah, we float amongst the different practice areas.
1: Considering this this ratio where it seems like there's fewer associates than you might have in a typical firm, how does that impact you as a, as a young associate? You
3: know, you're kind of molded through your work experience. So I find that um, a lot of the associates, I find that as they get more experience, they develop you know, relationships or skills based off of the work that they've received. So there are some associates who are more familiar with real estate transactions, some associates who are more familiar with loan documentation, and others who are just more familiar with general litigation.
1: But considering the fact that you're working so closely with individual partners, do you say that that gives you a little less leeway when it comes to having some room for error?
3: Yeah, I think so. Given the size of our firm and the demands, you're kind of thrown into the water as soon as you get there, or at least there's that feeling. So sometimes you are concerned that, you know, there is very little room for error.
1: And you had mentioned before that you have client contact. How, how much client contact do you have even as a young associate?
3: I'm fortunate enough to get a, a lot of client contact, and I think a lot of my fellow associates agree. Again, it's, it's just the realities of our firm. So if our client needs an update or client needs to talk to somebody about something and the partner is, is unavailable at that time, really there's no one else but the associate.
1: To give us an idea of what you do and just how diverse the practice is, let's talk about the life cycle of a troubled loan. That's one of the things your firm does. Many of your clients are commercial lenders, as you said. So let's say somebody comes into a bank, needs a loan to do a construction project. What would your role be in this type of a transaction?
3: It really starts off at negotiation, and if the lender agrees to make the loan to the borrower. There will be a lot of due diligence involved. You want to find out who exactly the lender is or the prospective lender is, what their assets are, what their business is, purpose of the specific loan. Oftentimes the loan is going to be secured by an asset, usually real estate. So you want to do diligence into the real estate, what its value is, its proposed use. If the loan is for construction, you know what the exact construction project is going to be and the value that it will bring after completed.
1: So, Andy, talk to me a little bit more about discovering the value of a proposed project
3: like that. Oftentimes, the bank will commission an appraisal to see what the value is as of the date of the loan. But the bank also wants to see what the property is going to be worth after the proposed construction is completed. The bank also wants to make sure that there are no prior security interests, other mortgages, or liens that are encumbering the property that may otherwise eliminate some of the value in the property. And the lender's concern with the value is, you know, in the event that the borrower defaults and the lender has to turn to the property to foreclose on the property, the lender wants to make sure that in that event it can recoup as much value as it can.
1: What are some of the challenges that you find helping a lender discover this information?
3: At least from my perspective as a new associate, it's just thinking about all the things to watch out for. There are so many different things that you need to be concerned about. You need to run searches for judgments, security interests that attach the property, and other mortgages. Um, You need to check the land records, whether it's the county recordings for any prior deeds or uh, defective deeds that are recorded against the property. And as a new associate with very little experience, oftentimes you're just not aware of all it is that you have to do.
1: If a business were to get in trouble and they're unable to keep up with their loan payments, what sort of options can you help those banks to navigate when the commercial borrower either defaults or informs the bank that a default is likely?
3: There's really only two options: you can either negotiate some sort of forbearance or modification of the loan. The second being litigation, and it really depends on what the the value of the loan is to the bank and the borrower's ability to continue paying or servicing the loan. In that case, before the bank makes an actual decision, um, we would need additional information from the borrower to take a look at his projected income and or ability to pay.
1: So what would a forbearance agreement look like in particular?
3: The forbearance agreement is essentially a new contract that rolls over the terms of the initial loan extends the maturity date or, or the, the period in which payments are made under the loan.
1: And if litigation is an eventuality, what shape does that take?
3: Well, eventually seek to get a judgment and either render that judgment to foreclosure if the loan is secured by property or get a judgment and try to collect what it can from the borrower.
1: So how do you determine what the right course of action is, whether it's to settle or to go forward with litigation?
3: It largely depends on the financial condition of the borrower, as well as the value of the loan to the bank and what the value of the property is. So if the bank is confident that the property value remains high and the borrower has the ability to continue servicing or paying the loan, the bank may well decide to continue or extend the maturity date of the loan through a forbearance agreement as opposed to proceeding with litigation.
0: Support comes from Vermont Law and Graduate School. Vermont Law and Graduate School empowers students to dream big. It welcomes and shares passions for social justice, the environment, criminal justice reform, and so much more. At BLGS, realism and idealism collide. Together, students and faculty positively transform the world around them. From an accelerated two-year JD to an online hybrid JD, VLGS offers innovative programs where you can learn at your own pace. To learn more, please visit permontlaw.edu.
2: Support also comes from Albany Law School. Albany Law School is committed to increasing access to the legal profession. Albany Law's online Flex JD delivers all the benefits you'd expect from an institution that's been educating future lawyers and leaders since 1851. With one in-person session per year, you'll complete most of your work online, giving you the flexibility you need to earn your law degree when and where it works for you. To find out how you can begin your journey to earning a JD, visit albanylaw.edu today.
0: Support also comes from Baylor Law School, the smallest and oldest law school in Texas. Baylor Law has three entering classes, 15 tracks of study, strong bar passage and employment rates, robust scholarship offerings, numerous clinics and joint degree programs, and a focus on preparing excellent and ethical lawyers. Visit the Baylor Law website to learn more and to apply for free to the spring, summer, and or fall entering classes.
1: Andy, you describe yourself as a litigator, so you must spend a good amount of your time going after some of these borrowers who default. What what does that look like on a daily basis for you?
3: So it starts off just like a lot of other litigation with the filing of a complaint. Um, and then we would go through um, discovery and the motions period. And with the end goal being to um, obtain a judgment against the borrower. In addition to that, oftentimes the bank finds itself Um, The bank has to defend itself from the borrower's own claims or counterclaims uh, related to lender liability or arising from theories of lender liability or other torts or causes of action against the contract or the loan document.
1: So, Andy, as a young litigator in this firm, what role do you play from the filing to the discovery to the ultimate trial
3: So given our one partner, one associate model, I have a large amount of responsibilities. And that includes everything from drafting pleadings to arguing motions down to what some may consider even menial tasks, making copies and calling the court to schedule a hearing or to follow up on the status of a motion or to assisting a paralegal with filing.
1: Have you had any significant courtroom experience?
3: Yeah, I do have. A fair amount of courtroom experience, I think for someone, my age and level of experience, I think that I have a lot more to uh to learn.
1: What's your favorite part of the job?
3: My favorite part of the job is I guess my level of, of interaction and, and involvement in cases. I would say just you know everything that I do I, to me feel substantive, so you know I, I think if, there's a lot of things that i'm I'm happy to say that I've worked on again, just because of our the size of the firm in which we work. I'm happy to kind of take an active role in, in the cases that I get.
1: Now, if we circle back to the process where you have your, your clients are going after a borrower that has defaulted. So the bank ends up with all this real estate on its hands after a settlement or a verdict. They don't really want to be landlords. What role do you play in helping them make the sale of that property? And how do you take part in that transaction?
3: So after the bank takes title to the property, we assist the bank in negotiating with a prospective buyer and drafting an agreement of sale for the real estate. I would review an agreement of sale and assist in the negotiations. It's it's really difficult to say what exactly I do. I mean, I I just provide support in so many different areas. I think as a young associate, a lot of what I do is just fact checking. So um if my partner drafts an agreement of sale i will review the agreement and make sure that all of the facts and recitals are correct all of the dates the values because again as the only associate that had this file or is familiar with it i'm in a position to kind of just confirm that everything is true
1: so in the case that there are some facts that are that are erroneous what what is the outcome there is is it is it a big deal
3: It really depends. I have seen cases where somebody or an attorney prepared a deed for purposes of a real estate transaction, and the attorney entered the wrong description and the wrong meets and bounds of the property. So the deed that was prepared was for the neighboring property and not the property that was actually subject to a transaction. Of course, that wasn't at our firm. (laughs)
1: Wow. So uh, how do you remedy that?
3: The shortest way to to explain that would be you would have to file a corrective deed or correct the defect of the deed.
1: So Andy, considering your litigation experience, it sounds like you're very well equipped to identify problematic facts for your clients.
3: I'm able to kind of take all of my prior experience, things that I've seen in deals gone wrong, or take my prior litigation experience and use that in advising the client to prevent any future problems. Or to anticipate any that might arise.
0: I am the law is a law hub production. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show in your favorite podcast app. Thank you to our presenting sponsor, Blueprint LSAT Test Prep. Thank you also to our other sponsors: LSAT Lab, Seton Hall University School of Law, Vermont Law and Graduate School, and Baylor Law.